0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Cleetalk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, Bob. Saw the Avengers over the weekend. Don't worry. I'm not that guy. Not going to spoil anything for you. All I will say, I will say two things about it. One, it was really good. You should check it out. And two, I want an infinity gauntlet. That thing is sweet. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well i i think the uh trying to transition <clears throat> back to our subject here let's see if this works uh i think the browns drafted as many players in the draft as there were avengers in infinity war probably not i think there are like 30 superheroes uh
1: i counted 22 all
0: right so uh the browns were uh 14 players shy <laughs> of the draft but um, obviously very active in last week's NFL draft and kicking things off with a bang. Chris, it was just about 48 hours before the draft started where rumors about Baker Mayfield potentially going number one, or at least was still in the question for number one, uh, started to come out. And then by the time Thursday night hit, his name was called Baker Mayfield, the Heisman Trophy winner from Oklahoma quarterback, uh, taken number one overall to the surprise of uh at least the consensus uh there uh, there were some folks who had him rated the number one quarterback but uh shocking the majority of pundits analysts and general fans chris what is your thought on this pick
1: my initial reaction was disappointment um because i didn't i didn't particularly want them to draft baker mayfield um i was in the sam darnold or josh Rosen camp. i'm still on record saying that that i think we'll look back on this draft and knock ourselves for thinking that Josh Rosen was the fourth best quarterback in it. Um, still went in the top 10. But back to Baker. Um, then I looked even closer at him. You know, and, and there's a lot of advanced statistics out there. And a lot of people are trying to crack the riddle of projecting pro athletes because that is a billion-dollar question that if a team can can get it right and, and raise that percentage into, like, you know, in a ridiculous number – that team would win a lot of championships. So take take all these projections for what it's worth. But advanced stats love Baker Mayfield. All right? they, they have him rated up there. Again, this is like a, a, a quarterback projection stat from like a, a football outsider's You know, the top 10 in this projection include Phillip Rivers, Carson Palmer, Donovan McNabb, and Baker Mayfield's the fourth. Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning, Marcus Mariota, Byron Leftwich, Aaron Rodgers, and Ben Roethlisberger. Some pretty good names to be in with. Now, Byron Leftwich, probably the weakest of that bunch, still had a solid career. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the point is this guy has a lot of potential. when when you watch him play in college, I I see the skill set of Russell Wilson. I don't like the Johnny Manziel comparisons because technically they are not the same player from a technique standpoint. I mean, if you watch them both play, you you do not see Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield. I think where that comes from are the off-field antics. And yes, there was an arrest, and I'm not downplaying that, but Baker Mayfield's quote-unquote problems off the field weren't nearly as bad as Johnny Manziel's, or aren't nearly as bad as Johnny Manziel's. Johnny Manziel was, was, had way more character red flags than Baker Mayfield. The the planting of the flag, the the grabbing of the crotch, that kind of stuff doesn't move the needle as much for me as the Johnny Manziel issues. The, the, Johnny Manziel had a lot of... More baggage than Baker Mayfield so I'm not as concerned there what what I am concerned with is I don't know if he's going to translate into Russell Wilson at the NFL level I don't I like his completion percentage I, I love the fact that he's accurate and I love the fact that he's accurate downfield and I love the fact that in almost every statistical category he's one or two And I love the fact that advanced analytics guys like him if he can put it all together I think he will be Russell Wilson time will tell
0: yeah, d- definitely, um, you know, your last point, time will certainly tell, and uh, I kind of had that realization as this week progressed, you know, Thursday night, if you asked me to grade the Browns draft after that pick, and and really after the, after the night, after both their selections, I, I probably would have given it a D. Like, I was that upset about it. Um, as time has worn on, I realized that, you know, I was just so, I, I was so convinced that uh, the Browns were going with Sam Darnold. That um, I, I was just blindsided by this pick, um, and you know B- Baker Mayfield just really surprised me because the the Browns uh, shouldn't really be taking gambles. Uh, I think it's funny that the the reason for Baker Mayfield is rooted in analytics. Uh, we just got rid of an analytics office run by sashi brown and we thought we were going to go back to a guy making football moves but but john dorsey uh fell in love with baker mayfield and by all reports uh so did all of his staff right under him independently uh when they were uh not working for the browns you know late or in, in the middle of the 2017 season um the more i read about about baker mayfield the more i like it uh, you know, I, I agree with you, Manziel comparisons aren't fair, though. You know, we didn't know about Billy Manziel till a little bit later. There may be a Billy Mayfield that, that we're going to find out about. Uh, unlikely, no. though. Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, we should. We have reason to expect that. Um, th- there, there are things I like. I like the analytics. I like the accuracy that, that you said. I like that bigger Mayfield might be the only true freshman walk-on to ever start the season uh, of a college football game at Texas Tech. He believed himself so much that he left Texas Tech to walk on to Oklahoma again and then goes on to win a Heisman and go to the college football playoff. Uh, I I love that, and I think that that is part of the appeal with Baker Mayfield. Uh, Things I don't like, I don't like the size, um, but that can be overcome. I think that's there are certain points where we overrate size uh, i'm looking at a guy like josh allen who is six foot five and, and huge and has quick feet but um everything that baker mayfield is on the field accurate uh mobile mobile uh quick decisions ac- um you know low low interceptions turnover averse josh Al- allen is yet uh you know everyone was was in love with a guy like that so there are things to like um Another thing that is a cause for concern is I believe Baker Mayfield threw seven, made seven pass attempts uh, when taking a snap under center at his career in Oklahoma. So uh, he is predominantly passing uh, in shotgun and pistol formations. Obviously, sitting behind Tyrod Taylor, there's time for him to learn to take the snap under center. You have to learn to do that in the NFL. Um, but yeah, uh, it, this pick is slowly growing on me, mostly due to the fact that I, I really don't know what makes a quarterback stick in this league. It, it Darnold could be a bust. Rosen could be a bust. Mayfield could be a bust. I, I really don't know. I'm giving John Dorsey the benefit of the doubt uh, of making his pick. And you know we'll know within the next two years uh, whether this was uh, a great pick or, or a terrible pick. I, the one thing about Mayfield uh, that... Is a bit concerning because I don't see him being like a a moderately successful quarterback. I either see him being an a, a, an amazing Pro Bowler or or a huge flame out. and uh, that, that's quite a gamble at number one.
1: No, certainly. And, and Bob, just to piggyback on a couple of your points. First off, some of our listeners might be like, "Well, wait, taking the snap under center? Why is that a big deal?" And well, well, it is a big deal because you know, obviously he can take the snap under center. I, that's not the part he needs to work on. He needs to work on what he does after taking the snap. You know, you get you got to get into the rhythm, know where your feet are because release time is so important in the NFL. If you waste a half second on figuring out where your foot's supposed to be, that's the difference between a completion and a sack. So so when, when, when Bob's talking about he's only taking seven snaps under center, yeah, I, I, obviously any quarterback can take a snap under center but if you're not used to doing it, it's what you're doing after that snap, how you're dropping back, getting into your into your set under center. And so, yes, that, yeah, that, that is a big concern about Baker Mayfield, and it's something he's he better start working on right now and just, completely just going through those, that um, repetition throughout the year while he hopefully sits behind Tyrod Taylor. Uh, we've got it set up, or the Browns have it set up, for um, Baker Mayfield not to play this year. They also did that for Colt McCoy, and he was playing by week six. Cody Kessler was playing by week three. So, so we've seen the history of, of trying to sit a guy for a year, and, and it doesn't always work out. Now, the good news is Brady Quinn did manage to sit the whole year until he got into week 17 when when you know their, their playoff fate was determined. Um they just wanted to get him some reps. So so that obviously worked out. So so hopefully he can sit all year and learn from Tyrod Taylor. Because I, I, th- I think he and Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is the perfect quarterback to learn from because he has the similar makeup and skill set of Baker Mayfield. Similar height, similar athleticism, similar accuracy. I mean, he is the perfect quarterback to learn under Bob. So I hope Baker can watch Tyrod Taylor play and prepare and get a sense of just how he can play the quarterback position, Bob, because he's probably the best guy not named Russell Wilson to learn from in this league right now because he has almost identical skill sets as Baker Mayfield. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think
0: Tyrod would have been great for for any young quarterback to sit behind, but uh, exactly right. I mean, they're eerily similar in in their play style. I think Mayfield probably has a stronger arm downfield uh, than Taylor. That might be the only thing separating them. Um, You you know, I I think that if Mayfield – is as good as he's supposed to be, which, you know, the, the number one pick, the best quarterback in this class. Uh, I, I think if that is true, um, we should see Mayfield on the field at some point this year. No disrespect to Tyrod Taylor. I, I just think that if, if that talent is there uh, and, and overflowing uh, and, and so apparent to, to make this, this gutsy choice, I mean, it, it's certainly a, a gutsy pick. Uh, I, I think Mayfield will supplant Taylor Sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, I would lean towards that. the The only example I would point out is is don't forget Carson Palmer sat behind John Kitna for a whole year, and, and you had to believe that at some point during that eight and eight season, the coaches looked at Carson Palmer and said, "You know what? We maybe have a better quarterback on our bench." So, I, I don't think it would be unheard of. But but I agree with you, Bob. I would like to see Baker Mayfield forced to coach his hands because that's obviously a good thing. I mean, you know, you know, Matt Flynn was supposed to be. The guy to buffer what Russell Wilson, Wilson and uh, Pete Carroll's like. No, I can't keep this guy on the bench. Uh, Russell Wilson's just too good. So I hope Baker Mayfield uh, forces that decision at some point in this year because that would mean that he is ready to play and, and he could live up to the hype earlier than expected. Um, but I also like the fact that that it's not necessary for him to do that this year. He can develop a little bit. He has some time as long as Tyrod Taylor and Drew Stanton can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's the, the right way to do it. Absolutely. Uh, well, the the Browns uh, didn't have to wait long uh, for the Browns to be back on the podium, making another pick at number four. Uh, just for note, you know, Sam Darnold did go at number three to the Jets, uh, Saquon Barkley at number two uh, to the Giants. So at number four, uh, the Browns surprised yet again uh, to some, maybe not to everybody uh, by announcing that they're taking Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Ohio State, uh, despite Bradley Chubb being on the board, which is to surprise of many uh, that they didn't go with Chubb. Chris, what are your thoughts on Ward? How surprised are you that this was the pick at four?
1: I was more shocked about this pick than the Baker Mayfield pick. Uh, you know, I I think everyone knew the Browns were taking quarterback at one, and while I thought the pick would be Sam Darnold, I was not surprised. I wasn't too surprised about Baker Mayfield because by then there had been way too many reputable reports out there saying Baker Mayfield to ignore. So so I had kind of braced for it by then. This one was a curveball. And this is no knock on Denzel Ward. I mean, Bob, how many years have Cleveland fans been saying, pick Ohio State guys, come on. And then they finally do and they're getting hammered for it because everyone wanted Bradley Chubb. Um, this was a stunner. It, it was a stunner. I, I did not expect them to go secondary high just because they, they spent so many, many resources in, in the offseason addressing it. They signed three corners and traded for a safety. Uh, I mean, Bob, that, that is a lot of, uh, you know, offseason capital to spend on, on the secondary position and, and let alone roster spots. Um, and so I, I did not anticipate them to go secondary high I thought that they would eventually draft a corner probably in the second round but but not with that four pick I I thought they'd double down on the d end and try to get a nasty uh sort of d line going there but but let's just put Bradley Chubb aside for a second I, I don't think it's fair to Denzel Ward to to get down on him because he's not Bradley Chubb He's a very good corner. I mean, I don't think this is a Justin Gilbert situation. I think most people said that he was one of the top corners in the draft, if not the top corner. And, and he's got a lot to offer. He had a very strong career at Ohio State. He got to play under a very talented secondary, who Bob produced a defensive player of the rookie of the year last year. So Ohio State has has had a little bit of a safety and corner factory coming out of Urban Meyer the last couple years, and Denzel Ward has certainly done his part to to continue that. Uh, A very good defender, has to learn a couple things in the NFL, corner is not an easy position to transition to, Uh, so I imagine that there will be a growth curve, but again, what better place to do it? You have a lot of veterans in there now, you you assign three corners and you trade it for another safety, so the secondary has a little depth to it, so Denzel might be able to ease his way into the field. The problem is none of these guys that they got are truly locked down, Uh, there are a lot of solid guys. But they're not truly locked out, so 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 eventually Denzel will have to step up and be the number one corner. You don't get drafted four overall uh, uh, to, to to just be a number two corner.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. Uh, Denzel Ward uh, surprised me probably probably more so than Baker Mayfield as well. Um, yeah, I, I want to just clarify. Like everyone is kind of up in arms, maybe not up in arms, but every everyone uh, did not. Predict this pair going at one and four to Cleveland uh, that being said both Mayfield and Ward Were projected as top 10 picks or, or top 15 picks in just about any draft that you could see so th- you know, it's not like they're Way overreaching the, these projections and um, we, we all know how some projections uh, completely fall on their face. So um, Denzel Ward is by all means a, a very talented player uh, that it, it th- coming through that Ohio state pipeline, you know, Ohio state runs a very pro ready secondary. They, they do a lot of man to man press coverage. And that's exactly what Greg Williams wants in his defense and what he doesn't have in a corner, despite uh, the resources that you mentioned in, in adding those guys uh, to the secondary, he didn't have a true lockdown, you know, bump and run cornerback that, that can uh, be attached to the hip of the number one guy. Denzel Ward is that. He's athletic, he's crazy fast, and he's strong enough to uh, be that press coverage guy. So I get the pick. That being said, I, I'm very, very disappointed that Bradley Chubb isn't on the team. I think you know you had a chance to to take your gamble on Baker Mayfield, that's fine, uh, and then you could sh- hedge your bets by taking what looked to be the surest playmaker in the draft in Chubb and build out uh, what would be uh, one of the more feared defensive lines uh, in the NFL with Chubb and Garrett uh, as bookends, terrorizing offensive tackles for, for years to come. So, yes, it, it is unfair to Ward to attach him to Bradley Chubb, but you know Bradley Chubb's going to Denver, where he's playing opposite Von Miller. Uh, it, it's going to be really hard not to you know peek over at his career as Denzel Ward's career progresses uh and, and see w- what could have been so um yeah th- that's why uh you know at the end of the night on thursday i, I probably given a d because uh, as you mentioned uh undersized quarterback with uh you know some cockiness issues taken in the first round and then a cornerback kind of a surprise pick also taken in the first round ahead of some edge rushers uh a la khalil mack uh, in 2014 it- it's hard to uh not it's hard to shake those comparisons to the 2014 draft where the Browns took Gilbert and Manzel, uh with, and now we have Mayfield and, and Ward you know I hope it's the complete opposite because uh, both those guys were complete disasters but um it was hard for me to originally shake that comparison
1: yeah I, I think it's it's a bad comparison to make I, I made it originally too I'm guilty of it but but the reason it's bad is because Justin Gilbert I don't even think was a top three corner in that draft. And, and Johnny Manziel, there were two quarterbacks on the board and Teddy Bridgewater and Derek Carr, who I believe were uh, better evaluated than Johnny Manziel. So so it's not just that they took those guys. It's that they passed on other guys who were rated higher than them at their position, let alone in the draft. At least you can make the argument that Baker Mayfield is the number one quarterback in this draft. At least you can make the argument that Denzel Ward is the number one corner or even defensive player in this draft. I'm not saying he is, but but you can make the argument. And, and it's there, and it's not like they're, they're reaching out of left field for a guy that— had no business going at 1 and 4. So 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 I think that it's a little different but but obviously the quarterback secondary you look at the same positions it's similar. We won't know if it's a disaster like 2014 for for at least a year or two. Um well, hopefully for at least a year or two. Um but but Bob I mean just going going back to Denzel Ward, uh, you you mentioned a lot of the things that I like about him. Uh you know, good on man, good on press. Um, obviously, you know a little undersized for a corner, but but that can be overcome. We've seen plenty of guys under six feet play the cornerback position. Um, the, the the biggest reason I was disappointed with this pick was because I really wanted Bradley Chubb. I wanted them to double down on the line, and then realizing that Josh Jackson, corner from Iowa, was available at 33, they could have had both Bradley Chubb and Josh Jackson, which was one of my dream scenarios. That was disappointing because I think Josh Jackson's a little bit bigger. Uh, very strong corner out of the Big Ten in Iowa. I, I think that that would have been uh, a, a, a an excellent draft to improve the defense.
0: Yeah, I think that's that, that's worth mentioning. Um, you know, in a vacuum, you know, I can get behind both of these picks. But um, when you look at what other teams were doing on draft night one, um, the guys that everyone thought were going to Cleveland, Darnold and Chubb went at three and five and that gives me pause you know even denver allegedly had a deal in place to to trade down with the bills but once Chubb was on the board they 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 backed out of that deal to take him um it gives me pause when the rest of the league uh you know is valuing other players differently than cleveland and cleveland just doesn't have a good track record of going against the consensus so um that kind of builds upon my disappointment and I do think Chris that if the Browns were sold on both these guys as gotta have them I do think they could have found a way to uh, to to trade out of one and four and and still end up with Mayfield and Ward maybe not at both those picks but you know trading down at least once um, to to pick up some extra picks and then get these guys I think that that was definitely a, a possibility I was a little bit disappointed that okay I get it. You have to have Mayfield, you have to have Ward, but um, probably could have gotten away with taking those guys a little bit lower than their draft pick.
1: Well, Bob, Bob, allegedly, since, since we're going to talk about trade rumors, allegedly the Browns had multiple offers for the number four pick, but allegedly only one of them involved the future first rounder. And that team was only willing to part ways with the future first rounder if Baker Mayfield was there at four. So there's a good chance that if the Browns pass on Mayfield, some other team could have traded up for him. And again, that's if you believe that trade rumor. So, I mean, the way I'm looking at it is, you know, we looked at Baker Mayfield one way. I think NFL guys looked at him a different way. I don't believe the Browns were the only ones really enamored with him. And it might have been a risky proposition to let him go. Now, Denzel Ward, I think they could have moved back and still gotten him because I think the Colts had zeroed in on offensive line and if they had moved back it's probably someone to take a quarterback um so so as long as they don't do it too far maybe you could have still gotten Denzel Ward but but I'm not as convinced that Baker Mayfield would have dropped out of the top five anymore just given what's come out after the draft
0: yeah I mean I guess we'll never know um just to counter those rumors which which I did read um there are other rumors that you know Baker Mayfield wasn't didn't have a top didn't have a first round rating for, from all 32 nfl executives so I,
1: I i do think there's a lot of that can't be true the browns took him number one um, overall <laughs> yeah right I, I, uh, I mean it had to be at least 31 it couldn't be more than 31 because the browns I, I i'm just i'm just messing around with you but you get what i'm saying
0: uh yeah uh, okay <laughs> um there was at least one team out there that had a second round grade for Baker Mayfield, um, which is interesting for a number one pick. Um, yeah, so we will have to see w- with both of those picks, but, uh, definitely, uh, a surprising night for, for the Browns keeping it interesting. Um, Friday, the Browns were again, players with three second round picks, uh, their third round pick, uh, they did not own what was traded uh, in the tyrod taylor deal um and they selected to tackle slash guard austin Col- Colbett. colbert Colbet. taking uh tackle slash guard austin Colbett, running back nick chubb and then they traded out of the second round with that uh, 64th pick from the eagles back into the third round and they end up picking uh chad thomas uh the defensive end from miami so chris what what are your thoughts on their day two moves
1: well the browns fans got their chubb in uh day two not 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 the chubb they wanted but bradley chubb you you really got to be careful with that last name by the way Uh, a lot of funny shirts out there um bradley chubb running back from georgia bob you're obviously very familiar with the bulldogs um so i'll let you kind of handle that one i know uh Chad Thomas is also your boy, too. So I'll let you kind of handle them. I, I'm glad that they went offensive line first. Austin Colbert, uh, obviously, with Joe Thomas retiring, big need. Uh, this is a guy who, who obviously has size and measurables. Uh, it's just a matter of he can adjust to the NFL game because big, strong guy, yeah, but but you're going against monsters in the NFL. So so that that is, again, a very tough transition to make. Uh, but I think that he has the the kind of measurables you want out of an offensive lineman. Can play inside. The Browns are probably gonna try him outside because the inside of their line is is pretty well set with the guys that they got in JC Treder, uh Kevin Zeitler, and of course um Joel Bentonio. Uh so so I, I think that there's opportunity for um, Colbett to play on the outside of line on one of the tackle spots it's just a matter of if he can adjust to, to that transition uh, fast enough in the NFL
0: yeah Cor- Corbett's interesting um, you know a- any website that you look at has him pegged as a guard but he was a four-time starter at left tackle for Nevada and was a walk-on uh, and, and did that so I, I, it looks like the Browns are drafting him to be that left tackle and give him the first go at replacing Joe Thomas that will put him right next to his uh, former teammate Joel Batonio also of Nevada and a good friend of his so uh, that's kind of cool I like the pick you can never go wrong with getting uh, a stud offensive lineman uh, onto the line and, and uh, the timing of it uh, couldn't be better when you're losing a hall of famer like Joe Thomas uh, yeah of course I like Nick Chubb I think he is going to be a great two down back uh, to supplement Duke Johnson's third down versatility uh, Nick Chubb is big and strong and has some really good lateral quickness uh left the SEC as the second all-time leading rusher uh behind his uh former uh another former bulldog in Herschel Walker so um yeah de- definitely a fantastic pick and I-, I like the that athleticism and you see you know in the second in the second round the, the Browns went after giving baker mayfield some help you know get him a, a, a bodyguard get him a guy that can take the load off in chubb i think we'll see corbett and chubb uh contribute immediately uh in 2018 <coughs> and then chad thomas um i mean the, the 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 player himself uh seems like a fine pick i, I didn't really read anything bad or, or or overtly positive about him but uh just kind of cool that he's also a a multi-instrumentalist and, and a music producer and a, and a rapper uh, i know he he produced uh, a rick ross beat uh and, and is gonna i think he has a production credit on a on a future rick ross album as well so kind of cool that uh you know, we have an athlete already at age 22 that's making inroads in, in the music business as well i think that's a, a cool story i think it's really stupid that uh you know, he may have fallen to the third round because his music career made scouts question his love of football. Uh, I, I think that's just a a, a regressive way uh, of thinking uh, about uh, you know rookies and and draft prospects.
1: Man, if that's true, that's just ridiculous. I I, I mean, you 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 nobody is one thing. You can be obsessed with football and still have other hobbies and other interests. Nobody in this world is just one thing. I think it's kind of cool. It shows that he, it just shows that that, that he, he can put his mind to something and succeed at a very high level. I mean, it's not easy to get a rap album credit, especially on someone like Rick Ross. I'm just saying, like, for him to do that already at age 22 shows the, the hard work and dedication needed to make it in a very competitive industry and he's about to to, to bring that skill set to the NFL. So you gotta look at, at that as a positive. I I think if that's the reason he fell to the third round, then good for the Browns to sweep up some good value there. Um and, and by the way, Nick and Bradley Chubb are cousins. So uh you know there is a bit of a relation okay. there, even though I mean it's not just the same last name. Um and, and and the other thing I wanted to bring up about uh Nick Chubb is that he tied fellow Georgia alum Herschel Walker with an SEC record of 13 straight 100-yard rushing games. Anytime you're in the same sentence as Herschel Walker, that is a very good thing.
0: Yeah, we put him in two sentences with Herschel Walker. So uh, it does call into question, you know, Carlos Hyde and, and the the reason for his signing. Um, I, I think Chubb and, and Hyde are, are very similar backs. And obviously you can't have enough uh, talented running backs in your lineup, but um, I, I think Carlos Hyde it probably is, is not going to see the the end of that three year deal. I could be wrong, but I, I think you know Nick Chubb is, is the future two down back for the Browns, and Carlos Hyde might just be a placeholder.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely think Hyde will probably have the inside track on the job just because he's really good and he has the experience. But he also has a bit of an injury history, so you do need some insurance there. I would imagine Chubb will have plenty of opportunities to uh, to to win that job and eventually take it over.
0: Yeah. Not to toot my own horn, Chris, uh, and, and you know, admittedly, I, I got all five of the names wrong, but I did say the Browns would go quarterback, secondary, defensive, and uh, offensive line, and running back in their first five picks.
1: Congratulations, bro! I, I don't, I don't think Thank I you. said that. I think I had wide receiver in there.
0: Yeah, and that uh, brings us to a, a good segue because uh, no picks uh, in the fourth round, but the Browns, oh. Well, the Browns originally didn't have a fourth-round pick, but they traded into that uh, to take wide receiver Antonio Callaway uh, from Florida. Chris, this is a, an interesting pick uh, on day three just because of all the, the character concerns that come with Callaway. So, so what are your thoughts on, on, on him uh, now being a member of the Cleveland Browns?
1: Yeah, yeah, Antonio Callaway, he wasn't the only one either. In the sixth round, they took uh, – uh, Simeon Thomas um pick number 188 uh their ninth and final pick of the draft uh so two guys with some some significant issues in college and we're, we're not just talking about you know one or two things here uh again it is it's just the uneasiness of of sports when when you get into this i mean we we talked about this last year with Caleb Brantley and and we know Caleb Brantley was a little more serious and a little a little different because his legal process hadn't played out yet. Um, but these guys, legal process has played out on a couple of these. I mean, Callaway failed a marijuana test. Uh, he was investigated for a felony credit card flaw- fraud. Uh, Thomas <laughs> suspended, I think. He was suspended four times and arrested once in five years. He didn't play at all in 2014 and 15, also had academic problems, was alleged to be involved in an ACT scandal. So uh, there's some serious red flags here with both of these guys. But if you know John Dorsey, you know that this shouldn't surprise you because let's not forget Tyreek Hill had significant character issues coming out of college a brutal, like, like just a gruesome domestic violence assault on his pregnant girlfriend, alleged uh, assault um, Tyreek, on Tyreek Hill. Marcus Peters and Travis Kelsey also had tra- character issues out of college. All three of those guys have played in the Pro Bowl, Bob, or been named to the Pro Bowl. John Dorsey is willing to overlook these things. He's willing to give guys a shot at, 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 if you can play and, and, This, this is not new for him. Um, I hope that these guys can not, can put that in the past and become better people because of it, because of what they've gone through. I do not, you know, stand up or, or excuse anything they've done in any way, but they're getting a chance to play at the highest level. I hope that they make the most of it and don't squander it like we've seen some other guys do very recently for the Browns.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it just again calls to question like this is there are hundreds of players to choose from why do you have to go for the guys that have serious you know off the field issues uh i don't i don't know if character concerns are even the right word i mean it's you know run-ins with the law um it it, it gives me pause um that being said you know todd mcshay said that if, if antonio callaway didn't have the off-field issues that he had he would not only be a first-round pick but he would be the first wide receiver taken in this draft he's just that talented so yeah we, we see time and time again you know you're there's a uh, positive relationship between talent and off the field issues the more talented you are that the the more stuff you can get into and and, and get in trouble with and and coway that probably cost him three rounds worth of compensation uh, as a rookie but he's still getting uh, a very reasonable shot and a commitment uh, from the Browns by trading into the fourth round to take him. So, um, I mean, that, that's a risk, but by by all accounts, the talent is there now he is going to come into the NFL with, with already a flag. Cause he has that diluted sample from the draft. So, uh, you know, that wide receiver core, you know, John, with, you got, you got the chief diluted sample, uh, guy and Josh Gordon. Now you have add a, a young rookie in Antonio Callaway. um, could could be a, a volatile situation
1: it could be but if josh gordon has learned from this past he could be the perfect mentor for antonio callaway if he has you know developed and, and grown from his numerous uh <laughs> diluted samples let's just say it that way um so so he could be he could be but but if he hasn't then then he would be a negative influence on antonio callaway so uh it could go either way there um, but again, it just gets back, Bob. I can answer your question: Why these guys get picked? It's because they can play. I mean, you just said it. Uh, Callaway would have been arguably the number one wide receiver taken without all this stuff. John Dorsey is willing to take a shot on guys who can play. Um, but 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 at the end of the day, once you get in the NFL, you know, in this day and age, especially, um, you know, the spotlight is on these guys more than ever. Um, they 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 are going to have to have learned from this and and and, and just put it behind them and, and start to realize what an opportunity they have in front of them uh, because this, this, this could be the last chance.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, we talked about just about everybody. I, I do want to say, I, I like the the fifth round pick Gennard Avery outside linebacker from Memphis. Uh, by all accounts, uh, the only reason he's in the late rounds is because he's a little bit undersized undersized, but uh, is a, is a very talented tackler and, and athlete. So I think that's a great, late round selection as well
1: uh non-browns related i want to give a shout out to shaquem griffin going in the fifth round of the seattle seahawks keep going man yeah I, I i am a big shaquem griffin fan i hope he makes the team i hope he makes an impact because uh his story is very inspirational
0: gets to play with his brother
1: ah even better yeah i i i, I forgot his brother played for seattle that's even better then
0: yeah well chris any other draft day stories you you want to talk about
1: yeah, just one more. I mean, you know, the Browns finally got their quarterback, and, and everyone else in division found one too. Uh, Baltimore traded up and got Lamar Jackson. Also got my sleeper of the draft in Jaleel Scott. I think Baltimore had a pretty solid draft. Pittsburgh, Mason Rudolph in the third round. Some people said he would go... Some people even said as high as the late first round, even second round. So uh, again, those two guys landing in perfect situations with a st- truly established quarterbacks and, and, and stability, uh, good good for them to learn there, not so good for the Browns. Cincinnati took the last quarterback in the draft, so he'll, he'll probably be backing up Andy Dalton for the foreseeable future. But I thought it was funny that all four teams in the AFC North selected a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, very quickly there's going to be a changing of the guard. Uh, Obviously, the the Browns change their guard every year, but um, the Ravens and and the Steelers are are, uh, facing the the end of the road with their uh, Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, so that'll be interesting. Um, My story is like the the Josh Allen love fest that uh, is going on post-draft. I mean, any – any analysis of a draft it, people are, are singing the praises of the bills for taking this kid. Um, he seems like he could be like two years away from being a viable starter and he's going into a situation in Buffalo where there, there isn't a starter. I mean, he, he very well could be that guy. I mean, AJ McCarron's the only competition. So, um, I, I just find it fascinating how draft pundits fall in love with a, a one person and, and regardless of where he's taken, just like that's an A plus. Um, so that'll be interesting and I think the steal of the draft uh, at least in the first round was Derwin James going to San Diego at at 17 I thought Derwin James could have been in the top 10 I think he's that talented so that's going to be a nice pickup for for San Diego in in a very budding uh, attack heavy defense that they have going on there
1: are you taking shots at Los Angeles or are you just you just trolling Los Angeles with San Diego there
0: Oh, I I, <laughs> no,
1: no, I I legitimately forget too. I still call him San Diego. I'm just I'm just asking for a friend.
0: No, I uh, totally <laughs> didn't realize that. So
1: it's all good, man. I, I I honestly think most people. I I'll bet people in Los Angeles still call him San Diego. They they just want their Rams there, man.
0: Yeah, the the notes I'm looking at only have the uh, Chargers logo, <laughs> so I didn't even have. Like it was just very associative that that San Diego. So
1: it is all good, man. Well,
0: was what? What is your final thoughts on the draft, Chris, for the Browns? I mean, assign a letter grade or give it a thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, good or bad. What? What is your analysis?
1: I hate grading the draft like right after the draft. But if I had to give it, I, if I had to give it an analysis, I would give it a s a a B minus. I don't want to go as hard as a C because I've come around on some of these guys. I would give it a B minus only because I think that they there it could have been a little bit better. But but at the end of the day, um, you know I I don't like assigning a letter because I want to see these guys play. We'll grade the draft in a year or two. I mean because. Nobody knows right now what these guys can do. You can't measure how these guys are going to improve or, 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 or react to the grind of playing in the NFL. And that's so much of it. It is not just the talent. It's the will to constantly get better when you're challenged by uh, just, just just the toughest, uh, you know, the highest level of football. So, that, that's what i'm gonna look at but if i if i'm forced to do it i would give them a solid b minus i think they got some good players with some upside uh but at the end of the day i think they, they could have done a few things differently that that would have made it a little better for me
0: yeah i would agree with that great a b minus and honestly i think every team should get a b minus a, a week after the draft because i mean unless you're like trading all seven picks for one dude like who who knows we'll, we'll wait and see i've seen the browns get great assessments of d's to a's in years past and nothing has changed so um you know you're right it's all about the development now that they're that they're on a team one thing i do like about this draft is that the first seven picks of the browns was at a different position it's like they drafted an entirely new new team um so a lot of those guys will start off learning from uh veteran starters and, and hopefully in a year or two they will all turn into starters as well so um, I thought it was a, an interesting draft, a surprising draft, but at the end of the day, we just need to give it time.
1: I didn't notice that little wrinkle, by the way. That's interesting. That seven straight picks, seven different positions. I, I like that as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, kind of converse to, uh, five wide receivers in one draft. <laughs> All, uh, I think only two are left and Ricardo loose is probably gonna get cut.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, what are you going to do, man?
0: All right, well, moving on from the NFL draft to some actual uh, games being played by the Cleveland Cavaliers surviving. uh, They survived the series. I I think that's an accurate verb for this. uh, Beating the Pacers in in seven games, uh, winning the closeout game on Sunday. Again, thanks to uh, a mammoth game, 40-point explosion from LeBron James, but also um, some key and I guess, new or old role players stepping back up. Tristan Thompson coming up big in Game 7, as did George Hill in the second half. Uh, Chris, how, how surprised are you that this series went to Game 7? And, and what, are, what are your thoughts uh, just on the series in general?
1: Stunned that it went to Game 7. I picked it in four, Bob, so I'm stunned that this went to Game 7. Um, I, I, I grossly uh, underestimated the, the issues on the Cavs. And, and you know what? I'm not even going to tip my hat to Indiana because I, I, you can call this arrogance, whatever. The only reason this went to Game 7 is because the Cavs just could not find any rhythm. They are better than this. I still don't believe the Cavs have played their best game this playoffs. I still believe that 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 they should have won in 5 or less and it's refreshing to see that Game 7, even though the final score was close, they kept Indiana at bay when they got that lead for the most part. So. Hopefully this is just a, a a growing pain series for a very new team, and and they can put it behind them. They got their sea legs under them. They can go to Toronto and do what they normally do to Toronto, and that's beat them very quickly. Um, a couple of thoughts on Game Seven. First off, Tyloo did not get enough credit in this series. Um, a lot of people are bashing him for not being a very good uh, coach, and and I'm not saying he's a great coach. He had a disastrous Game One. But he made the adjustments throughout the series that I thought won the series. First off, he put in a new starting lineup in Game 2 that worked for most of the series. Second off, he played; he adjusted defensively on Oladipo, though Oladipo had a big Game 7. For the most part, their defense on Oladipo was solid. And he made a very gutsy call starting Tristan Thompson, who has been lost since last NBA Finals. And Tristan rewarded him with 5 of 6 from the field, 15 points and 10 rebounds. A big-time double-double from a big-time player, Bob. That is the Tristan Thompson we know and love. And I also liked the decision not to start George Hill, but bring him off the bench in the second half because he's nursing a back injury, and he played him 19 basically straight minutes in the second half to allow him the, the, the luxury of not having that back possibly tighten up during the longer halftime break. So, again, Ty Lu is not getting enough credit. As uh, Some of it's deserving, I, I know, but but I think credit needs to be given when credit is due. Ty Lu made some good moves, and they panned out.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you, you named all Tristan Thompson's stats, but you left out the, the most emphatic block in, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was – I think like the exclamation point of Tristan Thompson coming back, you know, game seven was interesting that the starting lineup was Thompson Smith Corver love and LeBron and those are the five guys from last year's team and you know Minus Corver that those four guys are, are the ones that have been uh, On these LeBron led calves uh, since the beginning Or I mean Jarrett Smith basically since the beginning, so um, you know, when with the back against the wall, he went to his vets, the guys that have been here before, and they all rewarded him. Kevin Love hit some big shots. You know, LeBron was the the plan. It looked like was for him to play all forty eight minutes. He he had to 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 miss a, a few minutes uh, end of the third quarter and start of the fourth quarter due to leg cramps. And I thought that. You know, the Pacers are going to make a run, but they were plus six in in, in the time that LeBron was on the bench and, and that might be like the highest total in the post. That probably is the highest margin point differential in, in this year's postseason. And, um, you know, whenever LeBron goes to the bench, historically, it's been bad news for the Cavs, even when Kyrie and, and Kevin Love were on the court. So that that was fantastic. I, I think if the, the Cavs play like they played in game seven, they'll have a much easier time going forward. I think that, you know, at that point in a game seven, the the Cavs getting obliterated in game six and blowing some leads. I mean, they gave some serious life into the Pacers and the Pacers were smelling blood at that point. I think if the Cavs play with the intensity that they played in game seven, they'll win a a lot more easier games uh, heading into this Raptors series. But um, I do have to give a lot of credit to the Pacers. Uh, I underestimated them. Uh, they have a long-rangey bunch of guys that can switch, play some good defense, hit some big-time shots. And Victor Oladipo uh, has had a, a coming out in, in 2017 and 2018 and deserves a huge amount of praise for the season that he had.
1: Yeah, I'm going to still be arrogant. They shouldn't have gotten this far. But I will say this, Victor Oladipo, I am very happy that he is succeeding because he has been one of my favorite players for a long time. Back to Indiana. I just want to make two kind of silly points here, Bob. How does a guy who went 16-25 to from the field, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, and 45 points have a minus 2 in the plus-minus stat? How are you negative with that guy on the court? I do not understand that. I do not understand it at all. Plus-minus to me is a very it it, it, it works in certain contexts but to me overall it's a pretty flawed statistic that guy should not have a minus two next to his name come on man you had 45 points i mean
0: (laughs) i don't i don't think i agree like the the we're talking about simple plus minus which is the net score of the time that you're on the on the court Uh, i don't think it's very valuable for an individual player but you know for a unit, I think that is very telling. And, and the the unit that was on the court with LeBron off the court was in the positive and that's a, a very refreshing sign.
1: Yeah, and that, and that 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 is the point I was gonna make is that that team wise it's more valuable. But but I look at these individual ones and it's just it's just dumb. But I I wasn't I wasn't calling you out there, Bob. And the other point I wanted to make was thank goodness the Cavs won, because I did not want Lance Stevenson to have any sort of bragging rights over this team or LeBron James. That guy annoys me to death.
0: That's your one reason for for being grateful that the Cavs won, not like LeBron leaving because he got bounced in the first round.
1: That's actually bigger than that. Yes, I did not want Lance <laughs> Stevenson to have anything. That's the number one reason All for right.
0: me. <laughs> well, uh, so th- the Cavs do advance. Uh, they move on, and they will face the Toronto Raptors, owners of the number one record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this is the third straight year the Cavs will meet the Raptors in the postseason. Uh, what's your analysis on this matchup and the outlook for the Cavs?
1: Well, I had prepared a, a controversial analysis for this uh, game. Uh, this was before they got destroyed in game six. I was going to come in and say, Bob, you're going to call me crazy, but I think the Cavs need to play Tristan Thompson more against the Raptors. Well, you see, they just did it in Game 7, so it kind of took my controversial analysis away. But, Bob, I, I don't think they can play Kevin Love at center against Toronto the way they did Indiana. Indiana is a different beast. Um, Their big guys are not true pound and grind kind of guys. They Like you said, they switch and shoot and things like that. Toronto has Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka. Kevin Love is not going to be able to play center against that and and I do think Tristan Thompson having that big game 7 is so critical because I think he's going to be big against Toronto. This is a more traditional type front court And I don't think you can get away with Kevin Love at center, which is going to be interesting because I also don't think you can start J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver as your two guards with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry there. I do think George Hill is going to need to be healthy. They are going to need every ounce out of George Hill because he is the best true point guard they have on the team. Obviously, LeBron James can play every position, but I'm talking from a pure point guard standpoint, they'll need to start him. So it's going to be interesting what starting lineup Ty Lu goes with here. Um, obviously, Korver and Jr. Smith are going to play a lot and probably play together at times, but I don't think they can start together just because of the makeup of the Toronto Raptors. So it's going to be interesting what Ty Lu does to adjust his starting lineup going into this series.
0: Yeah, I, I think... Uh, you're right George Hill definitely should be starting um, Tristan Thompson most likely I mean uh, ride the hot hand I mean he was a boost and, and a revelation in game seven it, it was obvious that the impact that he uh, put forth uh, onto the court so I, I agree with that assessment I think Smith on DeRozan Hill on Lowry and Thompson down low that gives you the athleticism and defensive abilities to to check anything that the Raptors can throw at you. Um, yeah, Ibaka and valentinus are important cogs in this unit, but it all starts with that backcourt, right, of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. You have to be able to stop at least one of them. Historically, uh, you don't have to do much to stop one of them because one of them just never shows up, but I think that that is kind of <laughs> evening out and, and they are finally kind of cohesive uh, being a little bit more cohesive as a, as a unit. But the Cavs are the Raptors slayers uh, and, and have had their number. I, despite this nerve-wracking, upsetting first round, I think the Cavs m- just simply match up a little bit better with the Raptors. Um, and I, 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 I think I, I like the prospects of the Cavs against the Raptors. I think it's a good second-round matchup.
1: I do too. The only thing I'm worried about is... Are the Cavs going to be as inconsistent as they were against the Pacers? Because if they are that inconsistent, Toronto will beat them. You can do that to a team like Indiana. You cannot do that to a team like Toronto. Because while Toronto may not have a quote-unquote big three, I think they have a big two and a half. And they are good enough to make you pay dearly for those kind of inconsistencies. So the Cavs have got to shake this now. And hopefully Game 7 was the cure. If they do, I've got Cavs in 6. But if they're as inconsistent as it were last series, Toronto is going to mop the floor with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard. But I, I still have to pick the Cavs to come out in this one. I agree. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in 6. I don't see them winning a, a Game 7 on the road in Toronto. So uh, I agree with you, Cavs in 6.
1: I was tempted to go Cavs in five, but I think that's a little too bold. I'm just too worried about the inconsistencies. I, I think they will win, but they they they're, they 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 can they cannot be as inconsistent as they were against. Yeah, the
0: definitely not. All right. Well, we have some other playoff matchups going on. Uh, first, let's do the other one in the Eastern Conference: Boston versus Philadelphia. Uh, who do you got on this one,
1: Bob? I'm going to save time. I'm picking all of these series in five games. Philly. Houston and Golden State I think none of these series will be entertaining I think all of them will be beatdowns. and honestly I lied I'm I'm having the Warriors sweep the the Pelicans
0: okay well (laughs) I guess I'll talk for a little bit (laughs) I I disagree uh, with a couple of those I I think Houston's gonna sweep Utah so uh, get that out of the way but I do think Boston's gonna take two games I I just think Philly is too young Boston uh, is def continues to defy expectations i know it's a tough game seven game series against the bucks but i do think they have two games in them and I, i'm getting i'm giving new orleans two games as well um to 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 go up against the warriors um
1: yeah did you see that 30 point beat down in game one i did for the yeah. warriors okay i i i now i picked this before that I think the Warriors sweep the other two and five. And you know what? To tell you the truth, Boston does have home court, so I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they eked out a six-game. But but no, I think Philly's too good. I think the the miracle run of the young Celtics ends this series, and it's not even that big of a miracle. The Bucks aren't that good.
0: You picked them to win, though.
1: I did pick them to win, but but they're still not that good. <laughs> come on, man! It's not like it's not like. Come on, man. <laughs> It's not like they're seventy-one bulls or anything like that. They're the seven seated Bucks. True. But they had they had Giannis. They do have Giannis and Giannis is a beast, but uh sadly I mean if they had stolen that game one, I think they would have won. Yeah, that's true. But they did not.
0: Buck the Bucks are I, kinda I, hard to figure out. I think they should be a lot better than they are, but I, I do too. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll see. uh. uh as I think about it, I feel really dumb about that Pelicans pick, but I'm sticking to it with six games uh, They'll at least win one, and we're in agreement on that. So uh, we'll be back to, to check in on round two next week. Maybe there will already be a sweep at that time uh, that we can discuss. But, Chris, let's move on now uh, to the Cleveland Indians having a rough go of it against Seattle, dropping three of four in that four game series and splitting the series against the cubs last week so that is a total record in, in the last week of two and four uh, not exactly uh, good uh, most notably josh tomlin having another rough outing he's now oh and four with a 916 era chris what are the prospects on josh tomlin uh, maintaining his position as the number five
1: starter not good. Wouldn't be surprised if an arm fatigue injury magically pops up here in the near future. Um, Yeah. Y- y- <laughs> numbers speak for themselves. He's basically throwing batting practice out there. I think he's only had one really good start this April. Uh, but other than that, it's just been, it's just, it, it, he's been, he's been too big of a hole in this rotation. I know Terry Francona is loyal. I know he's going to have a little more time to iron things out, but if this keeps up, much longer he will find himself out of the rotation because there are guys in Columbus who who can come up here and and, and do a better job and, and they've got potential and whatnot so so Josh Tomlin you are on alert I was at the Cubs game they won that was good I was also at the Saturday Seattle game where they were down 10 nothing in the fourth inning with Carlos Carrasco on the mound and it was 35 degrees outside so that was not as fun um, Bob, I'm glad the Mariners are off the schedule because the Indians are two and five against them. Uh, that team's pretty good, and uh, I'm glad we don't have to see him again.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, uh, definitely been a struggle to 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 play them for sure. Um, the one the one saving grace about Josh Tomlin is that 2017 in April uh, he had five starts and had an 8.87 earned run average. Um, he, he turned that around and was much better. Uh, after the all-star break so there's still hope for him but i, I agree i think he uh, maybe has one more start left and he has to show something or they're going to pull the plug on that um yeah a, a rough week for the indians uh you know w- with when the pitching goes south the the offense is still struggling and that's just that's you know when when you can't hit you can't pitch you can't win <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that would that would hamper your chances <laughs> at winning for sure. If you can't do any of the things you're required to do, you're you're probably gonna lose a lot of games. Yeah.
0: Indians did sign Melky Cabrera to a minor league deal. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I think yeah, I like it. Um, especially if Naquin continues to you know if he struggles, but but Bob, I saw on Saturday Naquin was hitting like two ninety six. He's the best hitter in the lineup right now. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think if, uh, I think if the struggles continue, um, you know, certainly he could, um, find his way up in the big league roster sooner rather than later. Um, but, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised that Cabrera was still available. I'm looking at his numbers two eighty-five batting average from last year, 85 total RBIs the past four seasons, no less than 73 RBIs. And, uh, a low of 273 batting average so um i, I think that's a good pickup for for a, an offense that's struggling and, and an outfield in particular that um is, is still finding its way so um I, I think he'll be a contributor uh very, very soon
1: oh i do too I, I i think that um you know i was being a little sarcastic about Nick when there uh I hope he gets it together though. I, I want Tyler Naquin and um Bradley Zimmer to be the starters because uh they're the young guys, they're the future. But but I, I wouldn't surprise me to see uh Cabrera up here sooner rather than later just because uh you know, they in the the Indians are struggling right now, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the baseball teams go through things like this as long as they as long as they correct it fast, they'll be fine. Yeah,
0: for sure. Then lastly, some sad news coming from Columbus. After going up two zero against the Washington Capitals, they go on to drop four in a row, losing the series four to two to Washington. Uh, Chris, how, how disappointing is it that uh, the Blue Jackets uh, weren't able to, I mean, to, to at least push it to to a, a game seven?
1: Uh, it was disappointing that that not only that they lost six to three in Game Six, and uh, you know, I, I mean, if they lost in overtime or by one or something, you could understand. But you would have liked to see a little bit better game there. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, while while it's been a frustrating two years, they they play in a tough division with Pittsburgh and Washington. They're they're they this is the first time they've been in the playoffs in two straight seasons. Um, you know, they're they're starting to get better. They've they've won their first playoff games. So they're they're starting to improve. They're starting to get better. They're making the right steps, and, and hopefully next year they can finally take that that next step and advance in the postseason. But hats off to Columbus for another good year, getting to the playoffs, and then hopefully they can they can put it together and and, and advance next year.
0: It seems like in the NHL um, playoff experience, is really valued, and it takes some time to you know gain some momentum in the postseason. And you know, if I think of you know. Uh, where i currently live nashville they they they've made the playoffs seven of the last nine years but it was not until year eight that they made a deep run to the stanley cup finals so i think the blue jackets are, are on to something they're building something and you know they'll make a breakthrough soon
1: hopefully it doesn't take that long yeah like i i mean maybe you have four i i, I think but eight man that's a long time man yeah all righty. Well, that was a jam-packed podcast. That's what happens when the NFL Draft coincides with the playoff series, Bob. We're not used to that because usually the Cavs are done playing in their first round before the NFL Draft starts. But uh hope you guys are still with us. If so, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, search Friendly Road Sports, click Clee Talk, or go to FriendlyRoadsports.com. You can catch up on all our old episodes there. You can also click the icon in the upper right hand corner. It'll take you right to iTunes. Click subscribe. It's just that simple. We make it easy for you. You can follow us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Friendly Road Sports. And we thank you for all your support. We hope you come back next week and every week for Clee Talk, where we talk about all our favorite hometown Cleveland teams give some love to Columbus too. But until then, go Cavs. Let's take care of the Raptors. Let's let's pull a Jurassic Park on them and uh shut down this park for good. <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy, Bob.